0: Welcome to the Everyday Ministry podcast where ministers get together to discuss everyday ministry.
1: Welcome to the Everyday Ministry Podcast, a podcast where everyday ministers get together to discuss ministry. This is James White, and I have the joy of sitting here with Jamie Owens on this wonderful Friday evening, and we normally record on Thursdays, just so the listeners know, and so me and Jamie and Chris get ready to record. Daniel couldn't because of some scheduling issues, and we get together to record, and then we start trying to to tele-screen in through YouTube Hangouts or Google Hangouts, whatever you want to call it. And my internet just craps out the entire time. We tried, what, three or four times?
0: Yeah, it's about about three or four times. I know it was at least a solid hour and a half. Yeah, it was every bit of an hour and a half. Yeah, So, and and nothing worked, everything we did. And finally we got to a point where we went about ten minutes in. And then just lost everything. Yeah.
1: And we tried on my phone, which the audio wouldn't have been good. We tried on the laptop. That's probably what we get for trying to record outside because if you don't know, here in the the great state of Alabama, it got to about 60 degrees last night. And so me and Jamie thought we would enjoy the weather, the nice weather. Um, But come to find out, that was a terrible idea. (laughs) And so... Jamie besides our technical difficulties with podcasting, how's everything going your way?
0: Everything's going well with me. Uh, it's just a pretty normal season right now. Got a few busy times and I know last time on our podcast I told everybody that we had some family and friends coming to visit so that uh, we recently had them down and that was a good time. Uh, this weekend's gonna be kind of a uh, lazy rest. Nobody around type weekend,
1: so yeah, uh, everything's good. Well, you say that, but you're having myself and a few people over for the football Well, game. well, for like the first
0: half of the day, yeah. uh, what well, nobody's, nobody's going to be s- nobody staying at yeah, your house. Yeah, for yeah. the
1: weekend. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a different dynamic, even if they're even if it's you know family or friends that you enjoy spending time with. Oh yeah, I, I loved having them. It wasn't a I, w- I was ready for them to leave, but you know, yeah, you just it kind of wears on you after a while. It does. It doesn't. Um, if it's anything like this for you, when I have people, family over, a lot of times I'll stay up real late because we don't get to see each other a whole lot and we'll stay up talking and mm-hmm. spend time together and really causes work to be a drag the oh, next yeah. morning. But um, everything's going well in my life. Um, only thing that's changed since I've been on Who last is I got a speed and ticket. Oh no wait. No, that, no, that happened <laughs> on the last one. Well, I found out the price for the speeding ticket and now I'm trying to determine if I want to go to the school or if I just want to pay the ticket. So maybe any the listeners get some insight to that. Just go ahead and shoot me an email, let me know what you think. But other than that, life's good. About about to start a new time of small groups for our church on Wednesday nights and kicking that off this Wednesday and you and another gentleman's gonna be teaching the men's and two ladies in the church, my wife being one of them, is going to be teaching the women's, And so I'm looking forward to that. I think both the studies we're doing this this time around is going to be a fantastic study for our men and women. And then getting to preach at a homecoming at a previous church I served at in two weeks, the week after this airs. Also going to get to preach to the high school team here next week. And so I'm really looking forward to that as well. Well, Uh, What's
0: funny is like the very next week, our um, alma Mater yeah. plays them, so that, that's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I was just glad it wasn't the same week. Yeah. We're going to be starting a new series through the Baptist Faith and Message, the third Mondays of each month. And the reason we've kind of decided to do this is all of the co-hosts of the podcast are a part of Southern Baptist Churches and would line up with the document, though we would probably go into more details in certain areas of of such, but you know the Southern Baptist uh, Baptist Faith and Message 2000. For those that know it, know that it's a you know the it's a big umbrella statement that most people can fall under and agree with, outside of maybe one that believes in women pastors and some few little things like that. But we're going to be starting this series on this episode, and really just looking forward to walking through this line by line uh, under each statement. Now, this may take us like four years because we only do two podcasts a month, but that'd be fine as well. But on this episode, though, you're going to notice that we're starting with the second article, which is on God, rather than the first article, which is on the Scriptures. And the reason why we decided to do that was because the last two months on our first Monday episodes, we've been walking through the the spiritual discipline of reading God's Word. And on that first episode, we really addressed the importance of God's Word and why God's Word is so important and addressed that topic then. And so, so we don't repeat ourselves or so it's not the same information coming out. We figured we would skip that first article and go straight to the second one. So if you're, you're listening to this, I would encourage you that if you missed the first article, read through it, and then go back and listen to that first episode, second episode of uh, the importance of the intake of God's word. I think you would benefit greatly from that. But as we get into the article this evening, Jamie, if you would, go ahead and read all of it, and then we'll take it one line at a time.
0: All right. It says this.
1: There is one and only
0: one living and true God. He is an intelligent, spiritual, and personal being, the creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. God is infinite in holiness and all other perfections. God is all-powerful and all-knowing, and His perfect knowledge extends to all things past, present, and future, including the future decisions of His free creatures. To Him we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience— the eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being.
1: You know, even though it is just this one statement on the who God is, uh, we do see that there's other you know, there's systematic theology or biblical theology that will address the topic of God in many more, you know, just multiple different ways. But this is pretty, a pretty dense statement here. It's pretty uh, weighty if you really look at it, statement by statement. So we're going to do our best to break this down in such a way that will make sense and uh, really maybe cause us to think a little bit about God and who He is and His character. Um, especially when you get to the first sentence, really, the first sentence says that there is one and only one living and true God, um, and you know just this idea that we do serve one God. Now, obviously, we're going to address this in the the following episodes, but we have one God, but He's made up of three persons—Father, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, what is the importance of the fact that we do consider and we know that God is one? God rather than three gods.
0: Well, I think that uh, probably one of the biggest reasons that this is actually very important is to differentiate ourselves, first of all, from people that do believe in multiple gods. That is important because of our doctrine of the Trinity, because there are many that will make the claim that we as Christians worship three gods, that we worship the Father who is an individual god. Uh, the Son, who's an individual God, and the Holy Spirit, who is an individual God. This is actually a big claim of, I know many Muslim groups will make this claim against Christians that we uh, do not worship the true God because we worship three different gods. So we begin this paragraph with a very emphatic that we believe there is one and only one living and true God. And while the Trinity is a mystery, this is what we're going to accept as fact according to scripture is that God is one in three distinct
1: persons. Yeah, for sure. And we really get this picture even all the way back in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy six, before the Israelites go into the promised land to take it by force. We see that God's talking to the Israelites. He's reminding them of the covenant that he has made with them, the, the law that he's placed, he's given them, and in Deuteronomy six verses four and five, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Is that our God is one God. And I think the reason why we see that God emphasizes this so strongly is that He He is there is a distinction between the Israelites and the people around them because there's so many uh, different nationalities or people groups, however you want to word that, uh, in this day and time around them that worshiped multiple gods. And even when you see that they go into the promised land, that they were commanded to to burn every idol and every distinguishing himself and saying that there is one true God. It is kind of hard to kind of wrap our minds around sometimes that we have... One God, but three persons. They're they're not disunified. They're they're perfectly working together in all things, which is really trip tricky when you get to statements like, "It says that the even the Son of God does not know the time or day that that He will appear." But that's just kind of a fun thing to think through.
0: We uh, so we see this very concise, very straightforward understanding in the first sentence here, and then we move kind of onward towards uh, God's attributes is what really this, this next uh, sentence really kind of gives some of God's attributes. Now, it's not an exhaustive list, but it does give some of the main attributes that we understand. It says that he is intelligent, spiritual, and he is an intelligent, spiritual, and personal being, the creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe.
1: Really, this, this first portion where it says the intelligent, spiritual, and personal being, he's not intelligent like we are. We gain our intellect by w- what we take in, by what we read or what we consume through uh, videos or audios or whatever the case may be, or just what we hear from an individual. But God, he's intelligent not because of anything he's consumed, but because he is an all-knowing God that is working out his will on the earth. And so we find joy in that, but we also find joy in this last thing that He's a personal being. Where you know, I kind of I find great joy in this because we did not deserve the fact that He's personal. We did not deserve the fact that He He would have a personal relationship with any creature on this earth because of our depravity, because of our sinfulness. Um, and so we see that God is this, and He definitely distributes and shows this in the fact that Christ comes out of heaven to live the life we couldn't and die the death we deserved, that he became even more personal in that sense.
0: And I think also looking at the the personal being aspect is also a God that we understand who has personality. Yeah. And that is actually a, a very fundamental distinguishing factor, especially now as we're seeing many scientists who are trying to understand how the world came into existence. And there is a logical, and many people don't like this, this uh, logic looking backwards, but there is a logical understanding that at some point you have to reach something that's eternal. Yes, which is going to be outside of the realm of the natural. It's got to be supernatural. Many um, scientists are trying to bring forth many theories that uh, try to explain this. For example, the multiverse theory is one that's very well known now, and many people will look at that and say, "Well, that's kind of like scientist." Like create like showing a god ish type figure, and some people will try to say that as proof for God, but I, I I reject that because they're saying that this is just kind of matter that is eternal, whereas we're saying no, this is a being that is eternal with a personality with a personhood who actually uh, has a perfect uh, understanding and perfect feelings and
1: perfect. Uh, every you know he he is eternal and perfect, and you know you say that and it you know it is a reminder that the reason why we have personalities and the reason why we have characteristics, if it be um, you know intelligence or love or mercy or wrath or anger, it all comes from the st- from the stem that we are an image bearer of God that we're made in his image to bear his image. And so we have personalities and we're a personal being because God is. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of moves forward, you know, looking at this next statement, which is that he is the creator of the world. Um, and you kind of alluded to a lot of that there, that this is in a um, scientist or even society around us does not enjoy the fact that many would believe there is a creator rather. They believe in cosmic acid accidents, I guess. Um, but not only did he create the world, but when the world was sinful, he redeemed the world. And then the next thing is that he preserves the world and he preserves our salvation. And I think that's a big distinction of Southern Baptist compared to other denominations is that we do hold to the fact that we can't lose our salvation because God is the one preserving our salvation. Um, and that's not spelt out here in this statement, but I think it's why it's highlighted so strongly in this first the second sentence of who God is.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and then we go on with the understanding that God is ruler of the universe, that he is in control, and all things work according to his rule and his authority. Uh, we see that God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent is the theological word that we use to Understand that. Then we go on with some more attributes of God as we move on throughout the through the uh, Baptist faith and message that it says that God is infinite in holiness and all other perfections. So kind of, if you would like to expand upon that, what do you think that is saying about God?
1: Well, it's that God is holy. He is perfect. He is sin-free and he is everything that we're not, right? I mean, he's a perfect creature without any kind of error or any kind of blemish. And It's not that he's perfect because he's created the law around who he is, but he's a perfect image of the law, that he has not broken it, he he keeps it. Uh, We see this in the life of Christ, that Christ was born of the virgin birth and then even him living on this earth partially flesh, completely flesh, completely God, still lived a perfect life. And I don't think we can separate that distinction because we're talking about the Trinity as a whole here. So I think we have to bring in the fact that Christ was perfect. He is infinitely holy and and he is all other perfections. And, um, you know, kind of backtrack a little bit though, and we can come back to it, is I think about this idea of the ruler of the universe. I think if We as believers were reminded of this more often. We would be a whole lot better situation in our life, and we would handle things so much better. Um, Not that we don't get involved in this world, or we don't get involved in political stances, or not that we don't understand what's going on in the world around us, but so often we allow... Who's sitting in a position, or we allow what's going on in this other country, or, you know, across the world, or we allow whatever happening in our job to kind of get us down and to worry. If we understood that God is the ruler of the universe and that he is the omnipotent God, that he is working out his will no matter what's going on, that we could find joy in no matter what's going on. And I I, I just think that that's a distinction of God that we're going to see unfold throughout the Baptist faith and message, especially when we get into the idea of missions or the idea of uh, the church and the state or the idea of uh, family or Uh, sexuality and you know we get into these other statements we're gonna see the fact that God is the ruler of the universe and he is the ruler of the universe because he is the creator of the world and because he created the world he can put the demands on the world that he has Mm -hmm. and so not only do we see these attributes about God but um, some more that it kind of unfolds into in this Baptist faith message is God is all-powerful and all-knowing and I know we just touched on that a little bit but then it goes on and says and he is And and his perfect knowledge extends to all things, past, present, and future, including the future decisions of his free creatures. Now, before we jump into this, I do want to point out that we see, once again, that the Baptist faith and message is this umbrella statement that it, it points out the truth of Scripture, but it allows room for disagreements. Uh, and so, when you see this, you're going to have multiple different views of God's omnipotence and um, and God's sovereignty. I guess you got um, those um, that would fall under more of the um, that God has completely planned everything out. Thus, you know everything's predestined to unfold. Um, And then you have some that would hold to the view that God has looked into the future to see everything that was going to happen, and thus He knows all things. Now, obviously, I would disagree with the latter, and I I would personally line up more of the first one there. Um, But I think you do see that the wording of this statement, it's concise and clear, but it does leave room for uh, other beliefs to kind of interpret it differently. Mm -hmm. I actually think that's one of the great things
0: about the Baptist faith and message is that no matter which understanding you come from, we can look at the statement
1: and say that it is true. Yeah, because yeah. who's not gonna dis- who's not gonna say God's all powerful yeah. and all knowing? Yeah. Um, and that he knows a whole thing. All things, and He has perfect. Uh, he even knows the decisions of His free creatures. We know yeah. that God knows all things. That's why, um, and I, I use this little statement so often when I talk about God's, uh, you know, knowing all. Is that that's why when you know when you get a flat tire or something going down the road, or this issue happens in your family, you trust that what God has a plan in mm-hmm. it. That God is yeah. working something out. And this is why we can do that. Now, when people kind of freak out over is when you say that the only thing that God does not control is one salvation. Now, that's a conversation for a different day, but um, (laughs) we do see that that's the only thing that people want control over. They don't care if God has control over their finances or their job situation or their family. They just don't want God to have control of that one little area.
0: Uh, I think what really needs to be hammered
1: home here is that
0: God is in control of all things no matter your soteriology, no matter how you want to view it, ultimately everybody has to submit to the fact that Scripture does make it very clear that God is in control of all things. It's not a matter of um, such as open theism, which thinks that God has no control of anything, and it's also not a matter of uh, strict determinism, which means that, that God has done all things, but people have absolutely no responsibility for their own actions. So there is, this this statement is very concise to be able to say without uh, kind of uh, pushing certain groups away that God is control and that man is responsible.
1: Yes, no doubt. I mean, in, in the end this, we do see a mystery and we do see this balance between God's sovereignty and man's free will. That they they're perfectly working alongside one another. Now, how that works, I'm, I'm not. I don't completely understand. Now, I, I could explain it, and I think uh, I think it's suitable way of explaining it. But I don't. I, I don't understand how God can do this. But that's why He's God. I'm not right. That's why He's all knowing, all understanding, and I'm a very. Um, I lack understanding most times. Um, and so as we move forward, though, um, going on in the next part, it says, to him we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. Just this, this one simple statement here, I, I love that they put it into this category under God because so often they could have, uh, we could just focus on the attributes of God or who God is or anything of that nature. But I love how just this one little sentence shows us how we ought to reflect on who God is. And because he is the creator of the world, because he is omnipotent and omniscient, and because he is all of these things, we owe our love and reverence and obedience to him, especially when you look at the fact that he is our redeemer and our preserver, that we owe him all worship, all glory, all praise, um, which kind of gets into the idea, even though it's not spelled out in this document, you know, the the age-old question is what is man's purpose, which is to bring glory to God, right?
0: Yeah, I think uh, this is also something that that we have to... Remember it is true for all people, whether they accept it or not. All people owe God the highest love, reverence, and obedience. All people, that, that's people who openly reject that there even is a God. And there's people that are striving every day to understand and know God more. Is that this is a universal uh, requirement of all people because God is creator. God is sovereign. God is over all things, mm-hmm. and that includes all human beings.
1: Well, and I think that's why we do see in the picture of Revelations where it says that every knee shall bow and every exactly. knee will confess that Christ is Lord. Yep. It's because this is what is owed to God because he is the the, the creator, the preserver, the redeemer, the, the one that has done all. And even in this life, those that don't know Christ, those that have not come to him in redemption, even them, even those individuals have the everyday mercies of life. Mm-hmm. The, the sunshine falling on them, jobs or family, loved ones, whatever the case may be, there's always this this principle of the everyday mercies of this life that's yeah. fallen upon them. And even if it's just for that, they owe God everything.
0: Well, as it says in, uh, in Matthew five forty five, it says, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on, on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So we see that God's mercy Extends to all peoples, and because of this, all people owe God highest love, reverence, and obedience.
1: Most definitely, we do see that the the mercies of God does fall on the righteous, unrighteous, and I think this is also the the everyday mercies of God is why we do see in Revelation. I mean, in Romans one, where it says that God reveals to Himself through His creation. Now, we would agree that that's not the the knowledge of the saving faith in Christ Jesus. That has to come through the proclamation of the word of God. But God reveals that he exists and that he is true through the creation that he has made. Um, And that's, you know, and we see that this is part of the mercies of God. And so we'll get to the last sentence here. It says the eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes but without division of nature, essence, or being. Now, we touched on this in the very beginning, and kind of the first sentence we saw in the Baptist faith, the message, but kind of to bring back into it, we're going to be looking at this um, probably for the next three weeks, if I had a guess. We're going to be looking at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit uh, individually for the next three months, um, individually. And so but when we look at this statement, though, we see that God is a triune God that reveals himself uh, as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But what I find so fascinating about this little par- this little sentence here, it says with the distinct personal attributes that they have their distinct role in I guess how God reveals himself to humanity. I would I would probably contribute it to that. But there there is no division. There is no um, of nature or essence or being. They all work perfectly together. Um, which is hard for us to understand because you could get three individual people that get perfectly along and they're not going to do anything in unison. Uh, and you know the old saying: you get, you know, you get two Baptists in the same room and you have four different opinions. <laughs>
0: That's right. But yeah, this is probably one of the
1: tougher doctrines to ever get a full
0: grasp of, and of course we'll never get a true full understanding of this doctrine of the Trinity. And all analogies fall short. Every analogy that we can come up in the natural uh falls short because we're talking about a supernatural God, a God who extends outside of the bounds of the natural and so this is a a doctrine that we should always strive to understand more we should read scripture, we should seek God which and understanding more about his his um him as the Trinity as revealed in the Trinity. Uh, but ultimately, we have to submit that this is a doctrine that is full of mystery that we can never fully comprehend.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I've tried different analogies over my lifetime, especially when I was a youth pastor trying to teach this to children um, with children to high schoolers. I won't call them children. Uh, trying to teach this to high schoolers and, you know, there is no good analogy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got the the, you know, the water example. You got the uh, liquid, gas, and solid, which is uh, frozen, and you try to have that—that that they're all three H2O, but they're in three different chemical there's, there's makeups. The,
0: the shoe sample, yeah. The foot, the sock, the shoe. <laughs> I've never heard <laughs> that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then that's,
1: that's a terrible example, by the way. And then I had a youth one time after teaching on the Trinity. He's like, he uh, he said it's like bleach, and I was like. You're gonna have to explain that one to me, man. And he he did. And he said, you know, it's kind of like you know bleach. You have you know the big bottle that you pour into your white clothes in the washing machine, and then you got the spray bottle that you clean with, and then you got the wipes that that you can wipe with. And I was like, well, I have never heard that before. <laughs> I still think it falls short, but man, good 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 efforts in that. Um, um, and so, but the Trinity itself is one of those things that, as you said, if we were gonna. Um, we're going to spend an eternity long trying to understand that aspect of who God is. Um, But one thing that we can take from that is what we just got through talking about is that because God is a triune God that works out our salvation through each of these distinct personalities and personal attributes, that we owe Him our love, reverence, and uh, obedience, that we can uh glorify and praise his name because he is the worker of our salvation through these three areas of, of his triune-ness. I don't know if that's the right word to say triune-ness. Yeah, but you, you said people so, so. um <laughs> Paul did it all the time. It's okay. <laughs> but, but
0: anyway, I just you know, this this is a great wonderful statement that many people of many different um Uh, theological understandings can agree with, which is, of course, the great thing about being a Southern Baptist is is that some of the smaller things we can kind of, uh, while they're important and we should debate about them and talk about them, we can kind of see past them and look towards what we all have in common, which is Christ. But I do want to give a quick summation or what I I think is a really good summation of this entire uh, paragraph that we just looked over today and it's actually found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. This this is actually something that as I've grown as a believer has kind of... Um, when, I, when I first became a Christian, it didn't really stick out to me. I, I kind of just passed by it. But ever since I have been growing and understanding God and being closer to Him, I've realized more how amazing this statement truly is. And it says in here that Moses said to God... If I come to the people of Israel and say to them the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me what is your what is his name what shall I say to them God said to Moses I am who I am and he said say to say this to the people of Israel I am has sent me to you and I think that's just a wonderful summation of God is I am who I am he is he is the ultimate fulfillment of all things, he—he mm-hmm. he, he is not the I was or the I am becoming. He is just the 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 great I am, as we refer to God many times. This this is a beautiful statement of God's perfection, of God's omniscience, omnipotence. Every all His attributes, in my opinion, or not in my opinion,
1: all are wrapped up into this one statement. Well, other than the fact that God said it, what's so amazing about that statement itself is that the way he explained himself is by pointing to himself, that he said, I am the I am. And so, and I think that may seem really simple to us because it is, but the only way that we can truly understand who God is is to looking to who God is. We can't understand him by looking to our own understanding or our own efforts or anything of this nature, even these other resources that we may use in this life, like A.W. Pink's Attributes of God, which is a fantastic book. That's my recommendation. Go out and find it. You can get it free on iBooks. You can probably get it free on something on Google's, whatever, Kindle, whatever the case may be. Um, but it's a fantastic book on the attributes of God, and these may be resources that help us understand who God is, But ultimately, we have to look to God to understand who he is. Because as we talked about with the idea of the Trinity, all of these examples come up short because we're talking about something that is greater than any example we could ever think of. And so when we think about the I am, I mean, I, I, I couldn't find a better way of ending this statement off on the Baptist faith and the message I think that's a fantastic verse to end with so as we move forward any plugs of the week jamie uh actually i do have a
0: uh recommendation i want to want to recommend that was kind of redundant but uh i will say that i have not read this book so this this may be a (laughs) a bad thing for me to be doing i have not read it i've heard great things about it and I trust the author of it very much. Now, the late R.C. Sproul, great theologian who recently passed away almost a year ago, wrote this book called "The Holiness of God," and I've heard great, wonderful things about it. And of course, this looks at one attribute of God, but this is a very important attribute of God, and it is God's holiness. And so, I would recommend that um, I would recommend this to myself. And then I would recommend it to everybody else to read this book by uh, R. C. Sproul.
1: I think that'd be a great book to pick up and read. Um, the one I want to recommend is one that I have, um, I've read, but I think it's probably about ninety percent of it. I could probably go on there and look, but it's what I just said earlier. It's A. W. Pink's book, "The Attributes of God." It's a great book on just understanding the different attributes. I'm actually thinking about um, teaching through it on our Sunday nights after we finish. The Baptist Faith and Message series that we're doing. I'm gonna. Re- I want to recommend A.W. Pink's book, fantastic book. But I also just want to recommend just finding good systematic theology or biblical theology. I would actually recommend um, Wayne Grudem's, um, because for most people out there, that if you don't consider yourself a theologian or you're just a church member or whatever the case may be, it's written in such a way that you can understand it pretty, uh, pretty clearly. But it's still a deep and Great book. and Well, guys, this is the first um, episode as we walk through the Baptist Faith and Message, and we understand that everyone listening may not be a Southern Baptist, but I would encourage you to still listen because we're going to address topics that I think falls into everybody's category. And there may be things that you would disagree with or you would word differently, um, but that's okay. There's there's a lot of things about the Baptist Faith and Message that I would probably word differently, or I would definitely, there's plenty of things that I would like to add more clarity too, but the reason why this article was written, as we've said multiple times, that the Southern Baptist is a big umbrella denomination that allows for theological differences, but it allows us to come together and cooperatively Work together for the mission of that God has given us, which is to make disciples of all nations. And so, as we walk through this study, we just want to encourage you. Maybe you've never read through the Baptist Faith and the Message. Grab a copy. Actually, you can just go to the website, look it up. Um, Baptist Faith the Message 2000 SBC. You'll find it on there. PDF. Download it. Read through it. Well, guys, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode. We hope that it's been edifying for you and your ministry. We are praying for you that you will serve the Lord in the ministry that he has placed you in. And this has been an episode of the Everyday Ministry Podcast, a podcast where everyday ministers get together, discuss ministry. If you're encouraged by what you hear, please go like our Facebook page,
0: share the episodes, and rate the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget that a new episode drops every first and third Mondays. Our prayer is that these episodes are an encouragement to you and that you would be faithful in the ministry that God has placed you in. I'm